Welcome and hello to the podcast, The War of the Wilts. This is dedicated to the soldiers that fought in World War I as part of the Wiltshire 1st Battalion, 7th Brigade, 3rd Division, the Duke of Edinburgh's, or in short as they became known as the Wilts. The regiment would go on to see action in the Battle of the Mons and the rear guard action of the Solomé, the Battle of Le Chateau, the Battle of Marne, the Battle of the Aisne, at La Bassée, Maisonie, and the First Battle of Ypres. One soldier in particular who I'd like to talk about is my great-great-grandfather, Private Hubert Seeger, who fought in the Great War from August to November of 1914. There he was killed in action outside the village of Hooge in Belgium. But this podcast is also dedicated to all those who sacrificed their lives in World War I. Now, I'm no historian, but I'll do my best to recount the events of Private Hubert Seeger and 3rd Division of the 7th Brigade as best that I can. As well, I'll also try and pronounce names of villages and towns in France and Belgium as uh, yeah, my pronunciation skills aren't that great, but I'll do my best. My interest in telling this piece of history started when I finally took notice of a death penny of my great-great-grandfather's that was hanging on the wall in the lounge area of my parents' house. And so as I began to research what that medal was all about, it really opened up a whole new world for my understanding of the Great War and the importance of not forgetting who these soldiers were, but also what they had to go through. So just for a brief overview, the First World War was fought between the 28th of July 1914 until the 11th of November 1918. The 11th of November becoming what we now know today as Armistice Day. The day that on the 11th hour and the 11th minute, the guns fell silent to mark the end of the war. World War I is known as the war to end all wars because of the immense loss of life it caused. The casualty count, both military and civilian, is somewhere around 40 million. The estimates of death are between 15 to 22 million and about 23 million wounded. And if that weren't enough, the 1918 flu pandemic hits with an addition of an estimate of 50 million deaths. So before the 28th of July 1914, we must go back a month to the 28th of June, where one event and the actions of one man, Gavrilo Princip, a Bosnian-Serb Yugoslav nationalist assassinated the Austro-Hungarian Archduke Franz Ferdinand, along with his wife, Sophie the Duchess of Hohenenberg. But that's a story all on its own. But it led to what was known as the July Crisis. And all of a sudden you had diplomatic and military escalations amongst the high powers across Europe. And it caused a lot of confusion and outbreaks of hostility. So the outbreak of the declaration of war happened very quickly as nations scrambled to pick sides. July 1914, Private Hubert Seeger, born 1891 in Bromham, Wiltshire, a tyre manufacturer at the Avon Tyre Company, Chippingham, England, carries out his work just like any other day. No worry or knowledge of the danger on the horizon. Not until the call was made, your country needs you, the famous words by Lord Kitchener, and the post of him pointing to every able-bodied man to come forward and do their duty for king and country. 
So just like everybody else, Hubert Seeger downs his tools and heads off to volunteer in the market town of Duvay. Why not? What an adventure he and all the other volunteers must have thought. The chance to leave home for an adventure, a chance to see the world, and hey, it's only for a few months, right? We'll be home by Christmas, they all thought. And so, as more and more men volunteered, the 1st Battalion of the Duke of Edinburgh's was formed as part of the BEF, the British Expeditionary Force. Not long after volunteering, on the 4th of August 1914, the order to mobilise is received. The day on the 5th, the wire goes out, stating that the war with Germany has broken out. As Germany had invaded Luxembourg and Belgium and important industrial regions of France, opening up the Western Front. I mean, this is pretty quick how things are in motion in a massive way. So fast that you have men and boys who have just been given orders that they must prepare and head for France for war with some drills and some range practice for just a couple of days. Because on the 13th, the trains are arriving to take them to embark on the SS Southwestern. And on the 14th, the next lot will travel with the SS Princess Erna. Two days of trains and boats and plenty of marching from their landing at Rouen, 3rd Division, 7th Brigade, arrive at a camp in Mont Saint-Anan, a small town in the Normandy region of the northwest of France. From there they marched on to Alonai village and carried on marching through Dompierre by the 21st of August, getting closer and closer to the battlefields. So already, lots of marching, tiredness, nerves, excitement, fear, and the unknown awaiting. It's on the 22nd that the first sign of the enemy is spotted as a German plane flies overhead, most likely a reconnaissance plane. And it is now on the 22nd of August 1914 that the 3rd Division 7th Brigade billet themselves in the eve of the Battle of Mons. The Battle of Mons was the first big action seen by the BEF. This is where the British had to hold the line of the Mons Condé Canal from the advance of the 1st German Army. The battle took place on the 23rd of August, and it only lasted until the afternoon. The Battle of Mons was led by Sir John French and Sir Horace Smith Dorian for the United Kingdom and Alexander von Klunk of the German Empire. The Battle of Mons took place as part of the Battle of the Frontiers where the advancing German armies clashed with the advancing Allied armies along the Franco-Belgian and Franco-German borders. The BEF was stationed on the left of the Allied line from Alsace-Lorraine in the east to Mons and Charleroi in the south of Belgium. As the Germans advanced in higher numbers and strength, the BEF were forced to retreat along with the French 5th Army. The British were just too exposed and what was called a tactical withdrawal took place. The retreat actually took two weeks, pushing the BEF all the way to Paris, which then later led to the Battle of the Marne, but I'll get into that in the next podcast. In total, the BEF had roughly 80,000 troops for the Battle of Mons, amongst those, the Wiltz. The Wiltz's orders of the Battle of Mons were to entrench three companies to the north of Cipe facing Mons. This is where they would be heavily shelled by the enemy, 
throughout the night until the next morning on the 24th with the Battle of Sibley. The retreat from Mons meant that the town would remain occupied by the Germans all the way to the final days of the war until being liberated by the Canadians. At dawn of the 24th, the enemy had begun shelling the Welch's trenches and continued their bombardment until 1pm, hours of bombs. By this time, home was very far away and the idea of heading home, at least of all by Christmas, was long gone. It is on this day that the 3rd Division, 7th Brigade, start to see their first casualties. With the death of a captain and about 20 wounded men, even the commanding officer's horse becomes a casualty as it's shot from beneath him. The regiment is to retreat as the enemy just keeps on forcing them back. On the 25th, the Germans kept the pressure on, pushing the Welts to Solomay, where they fought alongside the South Lanks until dusk. After a severe encounter, the regiment fell back under the cover of darkness to Caudray. The enemy, ending their pursuit on the men, turned their guns to the town of Solomé and bombed the town into the night. So not only the soldiers are fighting for their lives, you have civilians and everyday folk fleeing and trying to find shelter from the shells. In some of the largest battles of World War I, there would be up to 20,000 shells a day fired, so I'm sure even in these early stages of the war, there must have been a considerable amount being fired at Solomé. The next morning, on the 26th, the Battle of Caudray-le-Chateau, the Wilts were heavily bombed again, including some infantry attacks. As they fought to hold the line northeast to the edge of Caudray, it's during this battle that they would see a sufficient jump in casualties of up to around 80 or 100. Also, more officers are getting hit too, so rank is no immunity to becoming a casualty of war. Now with just too many casualties, the Wilts fall back once again to Bérevoir, and most of the BEF continue to retreat to Saint Quentin. The Battle of Le Chateau, also known as an artilleryman's battle, using shrapnel shells, so brutal stuff, I mean if you've seen what shrapnel does to flesh, it's hard to even comprehend what these things are designed to do, to totally destroy anything and anyone in its path. Shell deaths were the most common in the Great War, accounting for more than half of the deaths. Artillery fire also influenced most of the tactics and operations on the battlefields. In total, at the end of the battle, the Germans suffered 2,900 losses and the Allies, being the BEF and the French 5th Army, about 7,812 casualties, along with 2,600 being captured and 38 artillery guns abandoned. In the years to follow, there would be a second battle at Le Chateau. The retreat continued on the 27th and 28th, falling back to Hagencourt, to Vermont, on to Noyon. Until about 1pm on the 29th, the Wilts took cover in the woods, to the north of Tolope to prevent any outflanking movements from the enemy. So for days now the Wilts have had to march for miles with just about no proper sleep, as at 4am on the 30th they had to keep moving from the village of Solance to Varnay, until reaching the river Aisne, where they found an outpost for the night. You stay still or die. 
will be captured, so there's no time to sit around, they must keep moving. The pushback continued on the last day of the month with some exchange of shots between the division and enemy patrols. Hard to imagine the fatigue and mindset of these soldiers who have marched for days to save their lives. However, the August retreat was still far from over as it carried on into September, which will be discussed in the next episode, as I'll talk about the First Battle of the Marne and the First Battle of the Aisne. As September approaches, 3rd Division 7th Brigade retreat to Koyole where they will find some cover, after what was reported as a very hot and trying march. August turned out to be a trying month indeed for the Wilts, but a new type of warfare was coming, and as the race for the sea was about to happen, soldiers would now begin that new warfare tactic, trench warfare. The next episode of the War of the Wilts continues with the Wiltz's journey into September 1914 and the unknown. Bye for now.